So right in the middle of your Bible is a book called Psalms. And find, please, Psalm 27. And let me read that to you. King David writes, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advanced against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Saviour. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not hand me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. As Nigel has mentioned this morning, we all have some kind of concerns or worries, anxiety that comes in at different stages of our lives, where we face changes of different kinds involving mainly health, wealth, education, or even relationships. For those of you who have carried babies in the womb or who are carrying babies in the womb, you know, there is a concern, there's anxiety about that. I remember as a dad being worried for my wife. Sickness at any age can take us. The concerns of hospital appointments, results from routine tests, routine examinations. Maybe as you're older, you just may be thinking, worried about maybe a nursing home or just old age. Wealth, homes, cars, businesses, work and employment, unexpected payouts from wherever that comes from. Even this week, hearing of businesses closing down and bankruptcies. Education. Which nursery 
Which school? Which university? A-level results coming out this week. Anxious parents, anxious sixth formers. Next week, GCSE results. You work in a school, you know all about that. You see the stress and the anxiety on parents' faces as the children are handed those A4 envelopes with their results in. Have they got the place? Has the money been well spent? Have they passed? Did they get those three A's, three B's, or three C's to get them into uni? Lack of placements for September. Will your, school, your child get that school that they need? Relationships. If you're single, the question, will I marry? Yes, I was there at one point, and then who would want to marry somebody with the surname Conibir? But somebody did, twice. Single, will I marry? Will it last? Who will die first? All these things. Individual anxiety, but also it's international as well. You read the news, you look at the weather, you see everything that happens in New South Wales, the sheep farmers, the cattle farmers, longing for the rain, for the grass to feed their cattle. What happens? Do they buy... Uh, into uh, the winter feeding? Do they sell their cattle? Do they slaughter it? What do they do? India, on the other extreme, flooding. Indonesia, earthquakes. In the USA, California, forest fires out of control, loss of property, loss of lives, damage to property. The same in Greece, Portugal and Spain. Anxiety is all around us. And if we bring it home just slightly to Great Britain, dare I mention it, Brexit. Europe. Will we be able to afford a holiday next year abroad? Northern Irish borders, trade, business, financial uncertainty. Will we cope outside of Europe? Will we trade with other nations? Eight months to go. How will we cope? How will Britain cope? Being an island, all alone, surrounded by sea. We live in anxious times, don't we? And it affects us all in one way or another. So where do we go for help? What is your coping mechanism? Maybe ask the question, where do you bury your head? There are times when we read something or hear something from the Bible and we just don't see it. And then at another time, we see something, we read it and reread then the passage, then all of a sudden, a word, a sentence, a paragraph, even a chapter, even a book begin, begins to mean something more. It's like starting in a valley of mist and, and we're in anxiety, we're in despair, we're in despondency. And you pick up the Bible and you're looking for that hope, you're looking for that word of encouragement and you don't see it. There are times when I've even picked the Bible up and think, Lord, what are you doing here? What are you saying to me here? And it's the same in this psalm. When I started looking at it, when I started thinking about the thoughts of it, it's like that panoramic view from Snowdonia or Scarfell Pike or Ben Nevis 
But they are nothing in comparison as Scripture opens up. When Scripture speaks into your circumstances, in your situation, directly. And this is what Psalm 27 does for me. The psalm is the psalmist's experiences of life, good and bad. Written by David, who started out as a shepherd boy and became Israel's greatest king. But what has this psalm got to do with us 3,000 years later? What I found was that I read the life of David. So if you want some summer reading to do, read from 1 Samuel 16. Read through 2 Samuel and 1 Kings. Only as we understand the history of David's life, we see God is our only comfort and confidence in difficult situations, whether they evolve around family, failures, battles with anxiety. Let us remember that David was just an ordinary man. And these things affected David as a man, as a king, as a father. And yet he was a man after God's own heart. So looking at this passage, what do we learn from here? Uh, from verses 1 to 3, I feel that we look at David's faith, David's view of God, where he states, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He saw God through it all and in it all. He saw his enemies as real and as vast and as mighty as they were. He saw God through it. He saw God as his light in the darkness. He saw God as his salvation, his deliverer from his enemies. God was his strength, his divine helper. And he was able to say with confidence in life's real circumstances, whom shall I fear, of whom shall I be afraid? And he lists them, wicked men, my enemies, foes, hosts. David knew this, even from his own family. Fancy having dinner with your father-in-law, and then he picks up a javelin and throws it across the table at you. David was fearful of his life. His own son, Absalom, tried to overthrow him on his throne. Job, the commander of Israel's armies, worked against him. Other nations around Edom, the Ammonites, the Philistines, the Armenians, all came up and fought against David. He was even rejected by his own family. Even after his anointing by Samuel. But yet in the midst of all this, David could say, my heart shall not fear. Remember the story in 1 Samuel 16 where he goes to fight the uncircumcised Philistine Goliath. He says to Saul the lion, the Lord delivered me from the lion and the bear. He knew that the Lord was with him. The Lord would give him success. And his confidence was in the, the Lord, the captain of heaven's army. There was no room for fear or to be afraid when his faith in God was real. Yes, he was a man. He felt these things. He saw these things. But David lifted up his, heart, his eyes to the hills and he saw him who was greater. For David's battles, what was at stake there? Well, there was the preservation of a nation, the promises of God, the worship of God, the law of God, 
God's honour and the coming Messiah who was to come from his line through Mary and Joseph. There were battles to be fought and with that obviously bloodshed, loss of life, widows, orphans, sorrow upon sorrow. How was a king supposed to deal with all this? But David had his assurance in God. He believed God, he trusted in the promises of God. He says, in this will I be confident, the Lord is my light and my salvation, my strength. How are you doing this morning? How are you coping? With the realisation that human circumstances may not change, but neither will our God, who is the light, our salvation and our strength. The second point I want to make is verses 4 to 6, David's communion with God, where he says, One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. I believe David coped with different circumstances and situations he faced by taking his eyes off earthly matters and placing them on heavenly desires. To be in God's house, to be in his presence. Where do we look? What do we desire in this life? When you think what David could have desired, continue victory over the nations, riches from defeated nations, the gold, the silver, the bronze, the precious stones, friendship from the nations that were oppressed by his defeats, and his victories, tribute from the nation, slaves, expansion to his kingdom, world domination, world fame. This is what people are after today. But have you noticed how much anxiety it brings them? Have you noticed with who wants to be a millionaire or who wins the lottery, that within a short time, the anxiety that comes on them, the pressures that come on them. But David sought the Lord, he sought the kingdom of God. And these things were added to him. He focused on one thing. Have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life? Why? The answer is there in the scriptures. To behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his holy temple. Why? Because in times of trouble he shall hide me in his tent, in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He knew that out on the battlefield, he needed God's protection. He needed somebody where he was untouchable, that solid foundation. And the Lord said, I will set him upon a rock. That he would be exalted above all his foes. David says, now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round and about me. Why? Because they would come against him. But as verse says too, they'll come, they'll attack, but they will stumble and fall. Even then will I be confident. We see in the midst of all these troubles that in many ways David sets his heart and his eyes to a future Jerusalem, to the temple to offer in this place 
sacrifices of joy, to praise, to sing praises unto the Lord, not to grumble and complain, but has a heart of worship. When our eyes are fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ, whatever circumstances we come across day by day, there is reason to praise, there is reason to worship, that he doesn't deal with us as our sins deserve. So who or what is your God that you are trusting in this morning? You see, David just didn't want the promises of Scripture. He wanted the promiser, the source of those promises. David desired what was eternal. And God was center. He longed for him who was eternal in seeing his face, beholding his beauty, his glory, his majesty, knowing that he's the very present help in times of trouble. The presence of the eternal rock for us this morning is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. That he is our solid foundation. He can lift up your head. You can look at him face to face. You can be hidden by him in those nail-pierced hands to know that you are his, not only just for this time, but for eternity, through the forgiveness of sins. Even to know this morning that in his presence, we are nothing before him. We deserve nothing. Yet he gives us everything, including himself in Christ Jesus. He is our protector. But understand this, he may not change our circumstances but he'll change us through the circumstances. When we behold him, we'll worship differently. We'll see our place in Christ, impenetrable, unmovable, untouchable, offering up sacrifices of joy, making music to the Lord, through singing through the troubles. As the hymn writer said many centuries ago, being lost in wonder, love, and praise. Whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? When it shall hide me and set me upon a rock. Jonathan Edwards, that famous theologian pastor of the 18th century in America, said this, God carries his people along through the world to their glory far above all the reach of all their enemies or anything that might hinder their blessedness. God designs his people for glory. If you're his this morning, whatever we're going through is momentary in the light of eternity. But God brings us through. God's got something far greater for us. God gives us hope. So who is lifting up your head this morning? Who's getting your worship? Third point I want to make is David's desire, verses 7 to 13. There are times when we can experience God's presence more than any other times, just as David did in the passage. Something happens to us when we come into the presence of the living God. We may see a glimpse of his glory. We may feel his presence. We may be sat still and know that he is God. Again, we may feel 
terrible. We may feel uncomfortable. We may feel guilty because of our sin in the sight of a holy God. In the midst of David's one thing, his desire, knowing God's presence, his heart changes, he calls out to the living God. He saw himself in need of someone greater than himself. He says, hear my voice when I call, O Lord, be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, will I seek. Even though he was a man after God's own heart, he sought grace. The sinner with all knowledge of salvation still has to acknowledge his sinful state when he comes to seek mercy. And yet we come knowing that there's a God who hears and answers prayer. That's was David's hope. That is the sinner's hope for us this morning. That God can, he alone is the answer. And he responds to David by saying, seek my face. Desire it. Long for it. Get to know me more and more. And his invitation to David and to us is through the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. It's not in peace or riches or wealth or fame. It's not over victory over the enemies, not worldly wisdom and education. It's not even looks. But we seek that which is eternal, life-changing, unchanging. Here is the promise of finding that they who seek me will find me when they seek me with all their heart. What are you seeking after this morning? What is the desire of your heart? How will it affect you? This is what the table reminds us of this morning, that we come before him in and through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's because of his resurrection and his ascension. Because the Lord Jesus Christ has been seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. Because he is our great high priest praying for us. That we are accepted in Christ. We have full access into the length, the height, the breadth and the depth of the Father heart of God for us this morning. Through the blood of Christ. And he calls, seek my face. And David responds, Lord thy face will I seek. To behold the beauty, glory and majesty to stare, as it were, unashamedly at the beauty and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Will we accept that invitation this morning? As we come around the table, do we realise that this table is for us who believe? Jonathan Edwards again says, The glory of the saints consists in God bringing them to himself bringing them to see him and his bringing them to a full enjoyment of his love. And that is because he knows us, because he wants us to desire him. He wants us to be in that relationship with him. Will we accept that relationship? But there's fear here as well. We read it in verse 9 onwards, 
where David cries out to God, do not hide your face from me, do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper, do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my saviour. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord, lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foes, for false witness rise up against me, breathing out violence. We see David, even though he enjoyed God's presence and he longed for that more and more, yet there was a fear there, a holy fear. He did not want his face to be hid from God and God's face hid from him, as he did with Saul. He didn't want to turn away from God, even though he knew he was a sinner and he did things wrong. He was fearful of losing God's presence. God was his God of salvation. So in his heart of worship, in difficulties, he's crying out, Lord, teach me, lead me. Give me not up to my enemies. And faith hears the voice of God in the scripture, sweetly speaking as it calls. It warms, it invites, it promises. The enlightened soul, it obeys. David's encouragement finally in verses 13 to 14, he says, I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Let us remember that everything we have is from God. From my own experience of this psalm and from my own life's experience, in some ways I understand what David has gone through, what David is going through. As a young lad, um, I was privileged, as it were, to go through the minor strike and to see God providing in those difficult circumstances. I know what it's like to be unemployed and to trust God with finances. I know what it is to trust God in applying for a job that takes you from the beautiful green valleys to Surrey. to the right church and to the right young lady to look for a new home and to see two of those fall through after spending money on land searches and solicitors and yet seeing those losses met and to have a home that was financially more expensive but mortgage wise a lot cheaper have God provided As I said, I know as a dad uh, what it's like to feel anxiety through pregnancy. Not I want to put any of you men off with that, but you might have a good time. Um, But I know what it is to worry about the situation, the circumstances that you've got no control over. Once those labour pains start, anything can happen. But yet I've seen through that the prayers of a young son offering a prayer for his mum's healing and seeing God bring peace and healing into that circumstance. I know what it's like to go through depression and anxiety and to be on medication when things are against you at work and when the pressure is on and nothing you do is right. You give it your best but it's no good. It's not enough. 
uh, you're asked to move to another unit, you're asked to move to a different place and a new employer takes over and then you go through the same thing again. And yet I know what it's like to see God open doors and provide another job. I know what it's like to see God working in my own life, changing me, and not the circumstances. It's interesting to see the hand of God on our life as a family over the past few months with illness and near-death experiences, yet God's hand keeping hold of us. Even when we fail and worry and get annoyed and angry, and even when we don't know what God is doing. It's taught me that I can know his presence, and to know that real presence in the hospital wards, at home, at work, when things are tough. I know what it's like to struggle with sin on a daily basis, to fail, to fall, and to overcome and to fall again. And to share my life with others, to feel anxiety as you share and open your life up to the mess inside, and yet you feel love, you feel accepted. You're encouraged, there's a sense of belonging and healing to know of brothers who are true friends in the Christian faith. And what is encouraging for me as well, as it was for the psalmist, to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, is to know that God has never abandoned me. God has never left me through all that I've been through, this, even this past year. And even again with the work situation last year, and I'm not sure what was going on, what was happening. To see God leading, guiding, providing, and supplying his grace and mercy time and time again. To me, we, we may ask the question, where is God in all this? I can say with hand on heart, he's on the throne. He's in control. And he knows what's going on. He hasn't abandoned me. And he won't abandon you. So David asks us and says to us, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart. And wait for the Lord. Because in the waiting, in the impatience of our own hearts, when we want to see things done quickly, We just need to stand, sit, lie in your bed, whatever you do, go for a walk, and know that he is God. It changes situations and circumstances. You see him for who he is. And I'm sorry to say, you will see yourself for who you are. And he changes me, and he changes you to become more Christ-like, being conformed to the image of his Son, I've learned through the struggles of my own life to be brought into the love of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit more and more. To hate sin more. To repent more quickly. To come in faith believing that through every situation God is there with me. To lay all things down at the cross and worship. To let God be God through it, trusting on him fully to behold the goodness of the God in the land of the living. It humbles you. It's humbled me. It's broken me. 
so many times, and yet it's been a restoration process that has changed me. So in closing, what's the application for us? Do we have faith? Do we see David's God as our God? And what he was to David in this passage, he will be to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Communion with God, to seek that heavenly communion above all else. To have that vision of God the Father and the Son in all their glory. As I said, to be lost in wonder, love and praise. To narrow down our desires as nothing less than that which is eternal, here and now, our temporal things. You know, we look at history and we see thrones coming and going, kings rising and falling, empires fall away. But in Christ we have that eternal hope. And my encouragement to you is whatever you're going through at the moment, wait on the Lord. Seek the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He has revealed himself to me and he can reveal himself to you in such wonderful ways. Do you know such a God this morning who was able to deliver you, to save you, to rescue you? Because of Jesus, because of this table, through his death and resurrection, he has now become my rock, my strength, my fortress, my internal hope. Are you overwhelmed by things in this world that bring no true satisfaction? Well, this day, the God of David can be your God. Come to him just as you are. Come to him with nothing but you. Just like David, bring your concerns, your worries, your sin, and God will accept you through the, his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has won the greatest battle to rescue you from sin, death, and hell. This table reminds us that he gave himself for you as an individual. He calls today, come unto me and I will give you rest. That is his promise to each of us here today. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are the God who knows each and every heart as an individual. And you know the anxieties, the fears, the, everything that is within us, you see it is as light before you. So Father, as we come around this table, I ask you to, that you would meet every need that is here this morning. That you're a God who is able to do, do above and beyond all that we could even imagine or ask. So I pray, Father, seal these truths in our hearts. May your name be glorified, may your name be magnified. And as we come to this table now, Father, I pray, would we see your beauty, your glory, your majesty in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.